we caught up with Amrit from Zillica. Let's get into it. So today we had the luxury of actually catching up with Amrit from Zillica. We've been trying to put this thing together for a while and fortunately enough, our diaries are finally aligned and we were finally able to spend some time together today to talk all about Zillica. As we get into this video, guys, hopefully you will find it useful and informative and maybe even entertaining at times. If you do, then hit that like button. We both really do appreciate it. And of course, if you're new to the channel and you want to stay up to date with those new cryptocurrencies and hidden gems that we talk about here, then why not subscribe to the channel? By subscribing, you'll be kept up to date with everything we do here at Cheeky Crypto. It is free. You'll stay well informed. So why not? And with that said and done, Chris, anything you would like to add before we jump on down and uh, catch up with Amrit here? Yeah, just really interested to know how early did you get in uh, when investing in Zilliqa? Let us know in the comments below. Really interested. Fantastic. Hi, and welcome to Cheeky Crypto. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Our viewers have been eagerly requesting this interview for some time, and it is great that our diaries have finally come together. Shall we start with uh, a brief introduction from yourself, Hamrit? Yeah, hi. Hi, everyone. My name is Amrit Kumar, uh, and I'm the president, one of the co-founders and chief science officer at Zilliqa. Uh, my background is in research. So before joining Zilliqa, I was um, working as a postdoctoral researcher at the National University of Singapore. And prior to that, I was a post, you know, doing my PhD uh, in France, uh, right near to the Alps, by the way. So uh, not a bad place to do PhD. Uh, but yeah, my background is in research. You know, I've always been interested in um, you know how security and privacy sort of um, you know gets involved when you're using a certain software system. And then uh, my venture into blockchain sort of started uh, when I decided to sort of jump into into understanding how what sort of security and privacy implications blockchains have. So my first venture into blockchain was through Monero. Uh, you know, it uh, I first read Monero's white paper and then went back to uh, Bitcoin's white paper. So it was kind of an interesting journey. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, then after that, you know, we basically started working on Zilliqa. So uh, my journey is from a researcher towards more like, let's call it entrepreneur right now, but yeah. That's nice. Fantastic. So, um, could you kind of go into brief kind of detail on what Zilliqa is and you know, how it all came to be? Yeah. So the work on Zilliqa, uh, started even before, uh, you know, I joined the company, uh, as one of the founders. So um, when I was working at the university, National University of Singapore, uh, my advisor uh, was Pratik Saxena back then. He was looking to blockchains from a scalability perspective. So we were seeing Ethereum and Bitcoin sort of Ethereum particularly struggling with ICO back then. So it was, you know, early 2018 and 2017. And we had seen CryptoKitties going live. So we saw what sort of how, and that, you know, an application that becomes popular starts to create issues with the underlying infrastructure. So uh, that was kind of the age when uh, my advisor was working on sort of scalability solutions. And in fact, uh, one of his PhD student was Loy Lu, who is the CEO of Kyber Network today. So he and uh, you know, my advisor and some of the other folks uh, wrote a paper on sharding. Uh, so the idea of sort of how you scale a certain blockchain network by dividing the network into smaller groups called shards. So that, that paper sort of went through into in one of the best conferences in computer security. And then sort of my advisor was looking to what to do next after this. So uh, as you know, most academics, when you start work, working on a paper, it gets published and then they move to the next one. So it's yeah. project by project. <laughs> but he would, uh, you know, he had this commercial mindset and he said, okay, let's start with something. And let's, let's now that we have this paper, can we do something about it? It's commercial. 
perspective. And so uh, he assembled a team. Uh, you know, I was one part of that team initially, and then we decided to work in you know on Zilliqa. So the whole idea behind Zilliqa was to solve two key problems. One was scalability to make sure that the platform can scale and meet the demands of popular applications. And number two is to provide a smart contract layer that allows people to write safe contracts for people to use. Because we had seen you know DAO hack happen when you know Ethereum mm -hmm. sort of forked into Ethereum, Ethereum Classic. We had seen parity very soon after followed up uh, where funds were logged in a multi-sig wallet. And after that, you know, every other day you see today DeFi uh, protocols where something gets something happens uh, in, yeah. in these DeFi protocols. So the idea was to be able to build a smart contract language that would be safe to use and safe to write code in. So these were sort of two key uh, sort of motivations on why we started Zilliqa in the first place. That's fantastic. Oh, sounds good. Yeah, no, it's good. It's definitely some uh, that, that peer kind of um, or academic research element that uh, you know definitely makes it stand out from the crowd, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, they, they, I mean, if you look at the Ethereum, this is something that I've observed over the last let's say three four years is that initially, of course, Bitcoin came out of that certain community, mm -hmm. right? Cyberpunk community, mm -hmm. and so there was always this idea that uh, this whole Bitcoin narrative and this revolution is being brought towards by developers and engineers. Therefore, if you look at, I mean, I have said this a million times before, but the idea is that I, I basically say that if, if today, if you take Bitcoin's white paper and send to an academic, they will blindly reject it because the way it is written, because mm -hmm. it's not substantiated, it's not, there's not much of rigor, rigor in, in the paper. But initially, obviously, that's, that was kind of the sentiment for researchers as well. They were not taking it seriously because they wanted to make sure that it gains some traction before they can get their hand dirty. And, but yeah, that, that gap where, uh, develop, you know, developers were keep sort of pushing and coding and while, you know, academics were waiting for something interesting to happen from Bitcoin or Ethereum. Mm -hmm. That kind of slowly sort of, uh, you know, the gap closed, um, you know, mm -hmm. as we moved along. And now I think at, we are at a juncture where several projects are coming from academia, including, for example, Zilliqa is one of them, Algorand, uh, yeah. Cardano mm -hmm. has its own roots in academia, which is, which is good to see, which means that now, People are getting at terms, and academics are getting at terms with uh, with uh, engineers and, and developers. But yeah, from our angle, you know, our approach has been a little bit different um, compared to what you see in the Ethereum space, where ideas get written down, you know, in a blog post, and then everyone starts working on it. Um, you know, coming from academia, you know, we can't lose our our habits or <laughs> the training that we have, you know, earned over time. So our approach has always been to write something down, put that into an academic circle, get that peer reviewed. And once we are confident that this makes sense, once we have done that rigorous research, then only we start implementing uh, into production systems. So that approach is a little bit different, but yes, you know, we are already seeing some of the changes happening with some of the projects coming out, coming out from academia. So that's, that's a good news. It, it is, yeah, isn't I, it? It's, a, um, it's bringing those two worlds together, isn't it? Ultimately, it's fantastic. And you say, you say Algorand and Cardano are two of the other ones that do stand out from that approach as well. But Chris, you're yeah, saying? I really, yeah, I was going to say, I, I really do like that approach. I really do. Um, and it's good to see more of it happening in the space, for sure. It, because it saves time as well, you know, time as mm. well. Imagine, you know, you putting up um, an idea in a blog post. I'm not saying it's a bad idea <laughs> yeah. because it starts, you know, encourages other people to comment on our idea more freely. But uh, it also means that you have not done the rigorous research that needs to be done for that system to go live. And after one year, when you have worked on it, you decide, oh, you know what? It's not working at all. Um, there are certain mm. flaws in the system and then you have to abandon it. That's one way of doing it. I'm not saying that's the right way of doing it, but that's one way of doing it. And the other way is, uh, you know, basically go through the research uh, more profoundly and then decide whether it even makes sense to implement this. Because some papers or some academic research stay at a, at a theoretical level for a long time. 
you know, many cryptography um, papers that were published, you know, I don't know, 30, 30 years ago, they remained in, 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 in theory for a long time, only recently, you know, people started to sort of work that into, into practice, you know, practical systems. So that's, that's one approach. And I think, and I, I come from the old school, I feel that that, uh, that has worked for us. So, uh, you know, we, we like that approach. That's good. That's good. Perfect. Um, and I guess, what, what are some of the applications and use cases that are being built on, on Zilliqa? Could we touch on, on, on those? Yeah, sure. So um, just to just to give uh, the listeners and viewers uh, some context here. So Zilliqa, the project started around mid 2017. So um, let's call it the the end of the ICO era. Uh, we were probably yeah. the last one uh, we were able to go through uh, uh, and do the token raise. And after that, we basically started working on this project for you know mid 2017. Uh, around early 2019, we launched the mainnet. So people were allowed to transact on the network, and around mid 2019, we allowed people to deploy contracts, and you know, um, basically the, the whole network became sort of fully functional. So the first application that came after that was on Sockle domains. So it's a domain system very similar to ENS. Um, people who are familiar with Ethereum they would know that. So basically, you replace your, you know, your blockchain address, which could be 0x1b, by let's say Chris.zil, and then when you transfer money to Chris.zil, the contract that's sitting on the blockchain basically translates that to a, you know, a hexadecimal address and then sends the money. Mm-hmm. So that was the first uh, you know, application that went live. It became so popular that we had to fix some of the issues in the blockchain straight away. <laughs> so that was a good problem to have. Uh, soon after, you know, we saw the DeFi sort of craze coming up and we started to venture into the DeFi world as well. So um, we, we are not a proof of stake system. And so we were looking at uh, how people could get access to the network. So for example, when you want to send transactions to the network, you need an entry point mm-hmm. so that that can relay your transactions. Uh, in the Ethereum world, uh, they are famously known as Incura nodes, where you basically, and developers and users all use them, whether you are directly using them or MetaMask uses it behind the scenes. Sure. So our idea was to be able to build an open network of Infura nodes that are incentivized to provide that service. Right now, someone pays for Infura, either consensus or users themselves. So what we decided to do was to build a, a network of nodes that we call the seed nodes that basically will provide that information and, and connect to, help you connect to the network. Uh, but where, where the incentive is gonna come from? So what we decided to do was take uh, 40% of the block rewards and use that to incentivize these users, these, these providers. And so that in a way created a staking system, even though we don't have proof of stake, it in a way created a staking system where basically if you want to become one of those nodes to provide that service, you need to stake a certain number of zills. And then other people can also delegate their zills with, with, with that node and then be able to you know, harvest rewards that comes out of that 40, 40% of the block reward. Mm. So, and as you can know, as you can imagine, staking is the first, you could say, uh, venture into DeFi because it allows people to create yields uh, yeah. on, their, on, their, on their zills. And very soon after, um, you know, with staking, we also launched a GZL token, a governance token. So it's uh, what we also noticed in the space that everyone was launching a, or a governance token, whether it be Uni, Compound, and you know, synthetics and so on. You, know, you, all, you had all sorts of uh, governance token. We felt that maybe it would be a good idea to launch a governance token that's at the platform layer, so at the protocol layer, yeah. which can, if let's say, if someone wants to build an application, they could just borrow that, that, that token uh, as a governance token. But we had to figure out how to distribute that token in a fair manner. And so what we basically did was we sort of connected that with staking. So when you stake your zills, and when you, let's say, withdraw 1,000 zills as stake rewards, you get one GZL. So it basically ties uh, your activity, your, your wealth, and how frequently you use the network 
with your Gsol. So that gives you power to become more yeah, active yeah. as a network. So we had Gsol, and that became sort of gave us the first, let's call it, token on the on the chain. And then we had to build a Uniswap-like like exchange. So we had to build a Dex because uh, you need you need a Dex to mm. or the network to be able to allow to to sort of build build tokens. So we built the first Dex, and that was quite popular. So we launched this Dex around. Uh, with the help of our partner Switchio, um, in around October last year, and the TVL today is around a quarter billion dollars uh, in that exchange, in that Dex. It does a volume of around five, I think it varies, you know, day per day, but it's, it depends yeah. on. On a good day, it does a volume around twenty million, um, you know, USD of volume in twenty-four hours. So that's that's a good sign. And again, mm-hmm. it has no more than five or six tokens, six or five or six main tokens, let's say. Uh, we also launched a uh, stablecoin because uh, you need stablecoin as a base pillar for all DeFi to happen. Uh, you know, if you look at Ethereum ecosystem today, most of the lending sort of happens uh, using USDT, USDC, or Dai, right? So uh, we also launched a stablecoin, but this was not a USD-backed stablecoin, but more a Singapore dollar-backed stablecoin. And surprisingly, um, if you look at all these, you know, sort of fiat currencies that have been tokenized today, uh, the first one, the biggest one. Is USD backed stablecoin because you know they're the biggest ones. Then euros, and third one is actually the Singapore dollar backed stablecoin. Okay. So it's it's quite interesting. Um, and so uh, yeah, so we started with DeFi. We have Uniswap like uh, Dex today. We have a few stablecoins. Uh, we are building an Ethereum Zilliqa bridge to bring more tokens from Ethereum to Zilliqa. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a MakerDAO like system uh, being built. Uh, but the good thing is that uh, this MakerDAO system will not have the MKR token. It will in fact use the underlying governance tokens that I was talking about earlier. So you could basically yeah. pull up your governance token that's sitting at the protocol layer, and you take it. You could take it that take it to the to the application layer. So yeah, I mean, again, these are just a few examples. There are other things that are happening, and then you know, it's uh, literally someone is doing a fundraise today on um, on a fantasy sports uh, token. Okay. Um, we have X Academy, which is a team from the UK as well. They are building a, a influencer based sort of yeah. portal uh, for people to um, create tokens and so on. So yeah, I mean, a lot of exciting things have happened in terms of application layers. Nice. And um, you mentioned the the bridge to Ethereum. Are, are there any sort of timelines? Um, okay, so all that... the all the hard work has been done. I would yeah. say. <laughs> uh, we had one big bottleneck that we were able to fix and solve. So all the hard work has been done. Um, the only thing is to be able to bring a nice looking front end. Um, so uh, it, we are using a third party called Polynet. So basically, you have Ethereum and you have Zilliq, and there's a Polynet that sits in between, mm-hmm. and you basically use that network to basically relay messages back and forth. So it was it was in a way easier. We didn't build the whole thing from scratch ourselves. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the only thing that's missing right now is building a front end that allows people to let's say pick the source chain, which would be Ethereum, let's say, mm-hmm. and then destination chain, which would be Zilliq, and then pick your asset, for example, USDT, USDC, and then move them to. But that front end is missing yet. Uh, is missing. So we, are, we are literally working on as we speak to build that front end. And then as soon as that's ready, we would be opening up uh, for people to use it. Oh, that sounds amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, it definitely is the next kind of thing we're seeing in the space that seems to be uh, moving at a bit of a pace, which is a little bridging, which interoperability is obviously key to, to forward thinking. So um, yeah, it's looking, looking good. Looking good. Looking good. Um, so what would you say, you know, sets Zilliqa apart from other projects in the space? Look, there, there are two aspects in which you could differentiate today. I mean, one is, of course, the tech aspect. But, you know, I think the more we spend time in the blockchain space, the more we understand that tech, in the end, from a user perspective, they don't, it, it doesn't matter, really. I mean, from an investment perspective, maybe you look like, okay, this looks like a fancy tech. 
Um, but a user doesn't care uh, whether you are using a, a very fancy sharding technology or something else. They don't really care as long as the system is usable. So, uh, you know, I do believe that in the end, you have to build a community that is willing to use the dApps that you're building or the community that's building the dApps. And in that, from that angle, I, I do think that if you look at all the blockchains today out there, and if you, let's say, rank them with the number of transactions that they have processed, not the ability, no, not the capacity, but mm -hmm. more like in real world, how many transactions they have processed, uh, you know, Zilliqa is in top top 10 or something in terms of number of transactions. Mm -hmm. If you look at, uh, you know, the number of users that are actually engaged in some of the DeFi activities, uh, you know, you know Zilliqa would be, again, in top top five or 10. Uh, Zilliqa is a good example to give you a sense of how active actively people are using some of these dApps. So Zilsop, if you rank, Zilsop is a DEX, if you rank them, uh, if you look at all Ethereum-based DEXs and if you rank them by, let's say, TVL, uh, Zilsop ranks around number seven, just next to around uh, one inch, uh, you know, exchange. Yeah. Uh, and quite quite above uh, many of the popular DEXs that, uh, you know, that are out there on Ethereum. If you rank them by number of users, so the number of traders who actually go on Zilsop and trade them, it ranks number three after, you know, after Uniswap, PancakeSwap now, and then, then, then Zill swap. So that's that's quite encouraging number. I mean, the yeah. point that I'm trying to drive here is, it's all about users in, in the end. You want people to come and use your platform. And I do see that Zillica as a platform is actually being used aggressively today. Mm. Now, if you talk about tech, obviously, you know, you know, when we started to uh, you know, work on you know sharding, we were the first one to show to people that sharding is actually a, a viable solution for scaling. And now we are seeing a lot of other projects are following that footsteps. Uh, whether it be you know even Ethereum, you know is is, is I'm not saying yeah. that Ethereum copied copied <laughs> us, but Ethereum is also sort of pursuing sharding because they believe that sharding is is a is a solution that can help scale blockchains. And there are other chains like Near, for example, even Elrond now is doing hmm. sharding. So that's a good sign. So I would say that in terms of tech, we definitely have an upper hand in terms of how far we have gone with sharding being the first one. We know where the challenges lie. The sharding yeah. is not. It may sound an, a, a, you know, a, a fancy word to solve every problem, but if you start implementing it, it's pretty complex. So we know mm -hmm. how complex it can be. So we have that edge. At the same time, we have an edge in terms of users because we are really seeing traction, uh, you know, a community being developed organically uh, who are aggressively using some of these dApps that, that has been built by, by us or by in the community. So that's, that's quite encouraging. That's fantastic. I mean, it's good to see that uh, Zillswap is ranked so highly. That's that is fantastic. We have actually used Zillswap a few times, um, so it's pretty cool. I do like it, and um, we are big fans of Zillica and Gzill for that matter as well. Staking Zill for that sweet uh, Gzill all the way through to October would be fantastic. <laughs> um, Chris, you want to go into the next question? Yeah. So. I guess we, we kind of touched on it a little bit with the Ethereum uh, bridging and, and stuff like that, but are there any plans to partner with any other blockchains, perhaps in, in other ways? Yeah, so I mean, partnerships, as you know, it's a very, uh, sometimes is liked and hated, uh, hated, hated term in the blockchain world. Mm. And uh, we definitely believe in partnering with projects and working along with projects uh, who collaborate with us. So yeah. not just in the name, but actually in, in, in real world. Mm. Uh, we recently announced... Uh, a partnership with a company called Polaris, which is a marketing agency uh, based out of Portugal. And the idea is to basically work with some of the football players, uh, well-known football players, including Pepe and you, you name it, yeah. 10 football players that we announced recently. Uh, we don't have, we can't release much detail right now, sure. but the idea is to work with them and you will hear some more news uh, in, that, in that direction. 
what we do see is that uh, there are certain areas where we would like to improve upon sample mm -hmm. So we currently have a few few tokens, but I believe that we need more tokens to for people to to trade and use. So yeah. one idea is obviously the Ethereum Zilliqa bridge that will bring assets automatically from Ethereum to Zilliqa. But at the same time, sure. we are seeing a need and a desire to build new tokens on top of that. From X Academy, for example, is a good is a good example. UFFS, for example, recently. Uh, you know, did a fundraise for their fantasy sports token SEO. Mm -hmm. So a lot of native tokens will be built as well. At the same time, we'll be bringing other assets. So the more assets you have, the more uh, you know tokens uh, you will have to trade, and the more transactions will will go to the network, and therefore the more zills will get logged out of um, you know circulation. Because the idea is, Zilliqa implements an idea where if you if you're sending a transaction to the network, the fees that you pay for the transaction to be processed doesn't actually go to the miners. They get taken out of circulation, so it actually reduces the circulating supply, and therefore yeah. helps every token holder. So that that basically captures value as the network grows in some sense. So um, with all these applications being built and the partnerships that we have been working on, uh, that some of them have not been announced yet, the idea is to is to grow uh, the transaction volume, and I'm I'm really happy to see the community is actually participating very very healthily in, in some of these ecosystem projects, which is really nice nice to see. That yeah, is, that is good. I mean, it's fantastic to see, you know, a community building uh, around the platform, right? And ultimately, that is key. As you were saying earlier, you know, ultimately, it is about usability of a platform at the end of the day. And that's one of the struggles that we often, we often find with Ethereum, right? It just becomes a bit unusable uh, with the gas fees and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's fantastic to have, you know, another platform that you can rely on for your DeFi. Um, and we usually turn to, to Zilliqa for that, I have to say. And it's a fantastic platform to, to use. Um, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, right? People, and there's obviously the Ethereum has a lot of network effect, right? Ethereum has a lot of people developing on top of the platform, but I've, I often hear from people saying, "Oh, there's nothing happening outside of Ethereum," and this is this is plain wrong. Mm. I mean, just look around. I mean, I've I've seen that myself in the Zilliqa community that a lot of people who are actually using Zilliswap today as a dex, many of them have never used Uniswap. Yeah, and one reason is because they feel that it's you know the, the Ethereum community is still requires you to a little bit tech savvy enough to, to use some of those things, right? It's, it's even though it's the same thing, the, the support that you get from the community, uh, well-knit community is, is very powerful. And, and you know, people are talking about oh, DeFi numbers, uh, user numbers are growing and they are growing, I'm not denying that. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the number of people who are actually using DeFi today, uh, let's say Uniswap, for example, um, around 100,000 users on a seven day basis, right? Um, which is, which is, quite low compared to how big Uniswap is in terms of the total trading volume that they do. Compared to that, Zillswap is at number 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 three. Yeah. It kind of surprised me because our community is obviously much smaller than the Ethereum community. But still, it's very clear to me there are a lot of users, a lot of Ethereum holders who have never used any of the Ethereum dApps. And that's surprising. Yeah. Because, I, I, can, yeah. I can understand it, though. You know, it, you're right. It is it is challenging. Some of the stuff's just really complicated. I mean, we we hear about it firsthand from from the community that that watch the show, right? And um, we're inundated with messages on on Twitter and Facebook and various other platforms. Telegram would be another one um, where there's a lot of confusion. Um, and it's probably not helped as well because there's lots of scams at the moment as well. So you know, you've got that mixture of um, it's a challenge for them to 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 use some of the, the platforms that are out there, but there's also that worry about scams as well. Yeah, and you know, I was talking about this earlier, you know, when we 
when people had this vision of DeFi to be able to allow people to get access to financial services or products and services mm-hmm. uh, with only a mobile phone internet connection, that's a that's a very powerful vision. You know, uh, imagine today uh, when someone comes from Nigeria or, or remote parts of Bangladesh or India, it's very difficult for these people to get uh, access to a loan for mm-hmm. in certain countries because of their credit history. And that could have been eliminated if we had DeFi in the right in the right hands. But unfortunately, if you look today, uh, if you rank all the DeFi, I mean, if you look at all the DeFi sort of apps that are being built or have been built on Ethereum, and if you sort of count the number of users or percentage of users who come from emerging markets like India, Bangladesh, and mm. Indonesia, you name it, the number of people is less than five percent. Mm. So, uh, the, the even though the vision is is there, I don't think we are serving the right people. I mean. Maybe, let, let me rephrase it. It's, it's not like, I don't think we are serving the people who need DeFi the most in some sense. Yeah. You know, most of the, I mean, one argument could be that uh, most of the capital that's being put today in DeFi are all coming from Western world, which is true. But then there's a problem because then we are not serving the people who really need to be able to have access to bank accounts because some people do, certainly don't. They're still living in a cash-based society. They don't even know how, how they can borrow money uh, or micro, they can you know, do micro-lending, for example. So there's, yeah. there's still a gap between what I think um, DeFi vision is and was and where we are today in terms of you know, adoption from that angle. There's a lot of activities still centered around a few people, a few thousand people, about 10,000 10, people. Uh, yeah. So, so, so on, on, on that note about, um, you know, the, the right people perhaps getting the opportunity to, to utilize um, these sorts of, you know, um, platforms and, and the tech, are, are, you know, are there any plans... Uh, or any work that, that's happening in the background in, in some areas of the world where um, that, that focus needs to be? Yeah. So if you look at, for example, again, Singapore is a, is a, is, is a, is, is a bad example in that sense because it's still a very developed country. Mm. Um, but I would still be really surprised to see that, uh, you know, bigger economies like, let's say, Japan or Korea or, you know, even China to some extent. Mm. Uh, when we look at the, all the stable coins I mentioned earlier, you know, USD was the biggest stable coin out there. Um, then was euros and third one was Singapore dollars. I was expecting something like Japan or Korea or other countries or Australia or you know, other countries coming up because yeah. Singapore is a tiny market. It's, it's even smaller than any city in uh, in England, I would say. In most cities in, in England, yeah. for example. So that was quite surprising. And the idea with uh, you know with um, with this um, Singapore dollar backed stablecoin is to be able to extend that to XIDR, so uh, Indonesian rupiah backed stablecoin. And one of the problems that I see in Indonesia is it's very cash-based society. At the same time, it's very the society which has a country which has a 50 to 60 percent un, underbanked or unbanked population. So the idea of be, to be able to give, let's say, people access to those services is going to be very powerful. Today, for example, you have people living in remote villages in Indonesia, and they would like to have access to banks, but banks are so far away that they can't connect. So now startups are building sort of agents, a network of agents that sit between consumers and their banks. And they basically sort of help you transact with your bank in some sense. And, uh, but these, these agents, they don't have banking license, so they can't hold funds or a large number of funds, amount of funds for you. So the idea would be, can we sort of give them, give these agents stable coins, which gives them, because there would be no limit per se with mm-hmm. stable coins, the idea of, uh, that then it will become much easier for people to transact uh, with higher amounts. Uh, then you could imagine micro lending, right? Uh, you know, today uh, a ten pound loan in the UK is not worth it, but the ten pound loan would be a, you know, would be huge. For example, when someone wants a farmer wants to buy seeds 
in remote yeah. Bangladesh, for example, or remote uh, Indonesia. So the idea is to be able to build some of these infrastructure as well. And at least, even though Singapore is not a good example, but seeing that Singapore dollar is still the third largest after mm -hmm. USD and euros, it gives me a sense that you know we are going in the right direction, that there is a market there in that region, in ASEAN and Southeast Asia, where uh, people need some of these DeFi products uh, you know, more urgently than anyone else. That's fantastic. That's great, yeah. So um, that's fantastic, yeah. And what do you think, you know, with all of that kind of said, your biggest accomplishment so far is for uh, Basilica? Yes, I would say that that, has, that would definitely be implementing sharding, you know, because when we started to do, to sort of work on sharding, it, it sounded very really complicated, even when we were writing on paper and so on. Um, but the good thing is that we were able to sort of implement that. Uh, of course, you know, we had some hiccups uh, and, you know, we had said, oh, we'll finish that in a month's time or two months time. It took us six months to get there. But at least, at least in the end, uh, I do feel proud that we have been able to achieve that. At the same time, we achieved and we delivered more than what we had promised uh, to the community when we sort of started the sort of PGE and so on. And the good thing is that now we are seeing other projects sort of following that step. So it, it gives you sort of a confirmation that what you did was right and in the right direction. And it's good that mm -hmm. other people are sort of following the steps that we started. So that, that would say, I would say was my, was our, not mine, but a team's uh, biggest achievement uh, till date. Super. And I, I guess, where do you see Zillica in five years from now? Well, uh, as you know, uh, five years is a very long, very long time in the blockchain world. Uh, yeah. You know, DeFi, uh, even though it existed in some shape, uh, they were not in the same shape as as it today as it is today. Uh, you know, before the DeFi summer last year, mm. so the world changes very fast, and so um, I do, certainly do believe in having a roadmap or have an idea of where I see Zillica next, let's say one or two years. But beyond that, we have to be adaptive. You know, we have to adapt to what new comes up, yeah. because something that's working today may not work tomorrow, or something that's not working today may obviously work tomorrow. You know, sure. Ethereum lending. Uh, you know was developed long time ago before Avi, I mean, Avi was basically, you know, came out of uh, a project called Ethland in some sense. But yeah, some of these projects already existed, let's say three years ago, mm -hmm. but they were never getting traction. It was only recently that people started to see the value of, of, of uh, you know, these uh, money markets. So I do, I do see that, you know, I would love to see Zilliqa, uh, and I've set some targets at the community publicly, Saying that today, for example, Zilliqa, a month ago, Zilliqa was processing around 60 transactions, 60,000 transactions per day. Yeah. Uh, Ethereum is processing around 1.2 million to 1.3 million transactions per day. Uh, my target was to half, to reach half of that. So 600,000 transactions per day uh, in, by the end of the year. Yeah. And obviously these are sort of KPIs that I'm setting for a community, but obviously you have to build products. You have mm. to build uh, resources that people will be able to use to, to drive that value. If you look at the value being settled in Zills today on the chain, it's around $70 million per day. Nice. Ethereum is uh, well, tens of billions, I think, if I'm not mm -hmm. wrong. So the idea is to be able to beat something like PayPal, which does, I think, a couple billion dollars uh, per day. Uh, I, I think uh, it's a bit lofty at this stage, but uh, I think if we continue at the pace we are going, uh, I'm pretty sure and confident that we would be able to reach some of these numbers uh, either this year or uh, early next year for sure. That's fantastic. great. Yeah, that'd be fantastic to see. Uh, you know, surpass PayPal. That'd be good. <laughs> yeah, and we've we've been invested in in Zilliqa uh, for for an awful long time now. So it's been really great to see the progression over the the period of time that we've been invested, hasn't it, Nick? It really has. Yeah, it's moved. Uh, it's moved quite well in terms of uh, well everything. I mean, even before Gzil, right, and uh, the launch of the Gzil. Um, and then obviously, you know, really had the kind of incentivizing to stake, right? Because 
why wouldn't you? Um, so it makes a lot of sense. And yeah, really looking forward to everything that will come from GZIL, uh, you know, as well, I think it's going to be cool to see. Yeah, the good thing is that, you know, um, a year ago, uh, or two years ago, people who were holding ZILs as a token, they didn't have much options to do with their results. So mm. all they were, all they could do was hold and hope that the price will go up. But today they can actually put their ZILs to use. So they could put them on staking and on returns. They could put that on ZIL swap and on swap tokens. And uh, very soon, once the you know the pillar protocol comes live, you'll be able to put that, put your results as a collateral, and then borrow pillar stable coins and do something with that. So a lot more op options are being being uh, are coming up for people to put their results to use, and that's kind of why we are seeing a lot of transactions, a lot of ZIL volume sort of going towards the network, which is which is a good sign. It really is, yeah. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the main questions that were kind of posed to us from the community. Um, but is there anything else that you would like to kind of let the audience know before? that we, you know, potentially yeah. hasn't been covered off yet. Yeah, I mean, one thing that, you know, I firmly believe, uh, you know, within Zilliqa is that we we know that, you know, getting onboarded on DeFi is tough. That's kind of one reason why you don't see many of the people hold, holding Ether and assets, but they're still sort of far away from using any of the, any of the dApps out there. Mm. Uh, I firmly believe in um, sort of helping some of those communities sort of uh, get, uh, you know, onboarded. Uh, I remember, you know, there's a, there's a there's a email application called uh, Superhuman Human I think, uh, it's very popular. It used to be popular in the in the states. And basically, what they do is they have a system where so it's it's like a Gmail thing basically for mm -hmm. subscribers. So you subscribe for that, and then you have a Gmail like account mm -hmm. with better you know user experience. And what they do is uh, when they when you buy the subscription, they invite you for a one hour call with one of their agents, and they basically take you through uh, how to use that application, uh, you know, the email application. I think we need, as 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 a, as a team and as a, someone who is sort of building this community out, we need and we believe in sort of putting that effort. So to to you know, sort of educate people, you know, let them let them learn some of these things so that they can use some of these apps and not just be an outsider holding their results and hoping that the price will go up. So uh, you know, we definitely believe in sort of helping any any of these people out people out. And then if you if you have questions, just ping us on on Twitter, Telegram, and you know, on Discord, and we'd be happy to help you. If you are still unsure what DeFi is or NFTs are, yeah. we're happy to help you out. Another angle on, on what you just touched on, um, we, we've had lots of people over the, the last several months that watch the show that you know want to quit their their jobs that you know that they find dull they've been doing them for a long time and they really want to get uh, involved in in projects what's what would be the advice from from yourself to to sort of get more involved and, and make a career in in blockchain yeah this is this is a very good i mean this if there's one good news that i i, I extract from price going up is that people become financially independent to a point where they would say okay i'm done with my day job and i would do something mm. exciting in the blockchain world so that's that's really good news to hear um, in terms of Zilliqa, you know, you, they are, we have a program called Zillhive. So if you have, let's say, want to build something, or if you see that, okay, Zilliqa is lacking this piece, and we're good to have that piece, uh, you know, uh, just send your application through Zillhive, and they would be happy to fund, uh, you know, that project. You're also launching a venture arm called Zilliqa Capital, which will be able to come with the bigger checks as well, so very soon. So yeah, I mean, don't don't hesitate, just, just start something. And again, I have, I've said this uh, on Twitter a couple of times that, I think we as we as humans, I think we need to do a startup at least once in our lifetime. It it, mm -hmm. it teaches you a lot. You know, I can't imagine I have, you know two years ago I would not have started. I have hoped of doing a startup, but I'm glad that I did mm -hmm. with some of my founders. And it has been an amazing journey. You learn a lot. 
Oh, you learn. I mean, if, obviously, if you can hold the fort for, let's say, a couple of years, I mean, okay, you start yeah. a startup, then abandon after one, year, one month, then it doesn't make much sense. But if you hold the fort for a couple of years, you will learn a lot about different skills that no one can teach you. You, you have to learn that by your experience. So, uh, yeah, get your hands dirty. Uh, if you have made enough money in the space, uh, uh, you know, put that money aside and get your hands dirty and build something interesting that you'd be very proud of. Yeah, definitely. I can testify to that. You learn an awful lot about yourself um when you're, you're doing something for yourself and, and for a community right and um you know i'd also testify to, to how good the blockchain um community is because we've met some wonderful uh, people that are ultra supportive in the space and it's 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 different from day-to-day -day life you know if you work in a nine-to-five so yeah definitely get your hands dirty and get involved for sure and you learn a lot you learn a lot along the way you know mm. there's so many interesting things happening every single day that you know you won't have any there's no scarcity of learning, you know, learning new things. It's just that you won't have enough time. So yeah, get yeah. your hand, get your hands dirty. Uh, there are tons of interesting things happening, and I'm sure that you will learn a lot, and you probably will make a lot of money if you if you do the right things. Definitely. Fantastic. Well, it's been fantastic to have you uh, join us today. Really do appreciate taking the time and um, catch up again in due course and uh, see what the next uh, you know next two things are on the horizon. Yeah, Thank definitely. you very much, Chris. Thank you very much, Nicholas. Cheers. Great yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. And that was Emirate from Zilliqa. I really appreciate spending the time with him this afternoon. It was fantastic to learn even more about what Zilliqa has been up to and where it might be going in the future. Chris, anything else you would like to add? Yeah, it was just fantastic. Really appreciate spending the time uh, with Emirate with today. Again, every day is a school day, right? We're learning every day. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Guys, if you found it useful and informative, hit that like button. We both really do appreciate it. And of course, as always, if you are new to the channel and you'd like to stay up to date with those new cryptocurrencies and hidden gems, then do subscribe to the channel. By subscribing, you'll be kept up to date with absolutely everything we do here. It is free. You'll stay well informed. So why not? And with that said and done, we hope you have a fantastic day, guys, and we'll catch you all in the next one. Yeah, take care.